turning to you. We turn to you.
As broken hearts declare his praise, for who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is a lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles, and every knee will bow before him. Our God is a lamb, the lamb that was slain. For the sins of this world, his blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb, every knee will bow before him.
surely a God who gave his entire life so that we may be cleansed from sin and live eternally with him. Surely that type of God is worth giving him our all. And you already know that's essentially what this series will be about. And uh, I'm trusting the Lord to do big things in the life of our church. He already is, he's moving. Um, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna sing a new song, which means that we'll hit this song three times through these next four weeks of being handcrafted. And it's simple. This is literally the easiest song we've, we've introduced this, um, this year. It just simply cries, Father, make me more like Jesus. I think you'll catch on quickly. Make this our prayer this morning. to the world you created, trading your crown for a cross. You willingly died, your innocent life paid the cost. Counting your status as nothing, the king of all kings came to serve.
ourselves less of who we are is what we want as well because we're tired of trying to figure it out on our own we're try tired of trying to work through it lord we want more of you in all of who we are this morning so father very simply as we come into this room today if there's something that we need to set aside so that you can be more father take that thing from us father if there's a truth that you want us to grasp onto a truth that you have told us about, Lord. Let us take hold of that instead. And Father, may more of you be a part of us so that, God, we can be more like you. God, we want to be more like you here in this room today with the family and friends we stand beside. We want to be more like you in the places that we work, where we go to school, where we live, to our neighbors. Lord, to the family in our houses, we want to be more like you. So God, we just ask you continue to speak to us this morning. Lord, we didn't encounter you when we walked into this building this morning. We encountered you when we opened our eyes for the first time today. Father, help us to continue to see that, that you live within us and that you want to be a deeper part of us than we could even imagine. And the Lord, coming together and singing praises and praying to you this morning is just part of that process. Let us know that you walk with us. Guide us now in the rest of our time together. Lord, may we experience even more of you as we hear the words that you would bring to us through Pastor Brian. Lord, as we would hear the words you'd bring to us in our classes and in our time together and in our simple interactions with each other. Father, be the more that we need this morning. We invite you into who we are. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When you were little, you probably remember a time when your parents or a teacher or someone in your life encouraged you to create something, to make something, even from our earliest ages, whether it be with crayons or finger paints, or now teachers are using shaving cream on tabletops, but we're invited to, to touch and to get involved and to use what's inside of us and let it come out in different creative manners and means. And maybe as you got older, it became Play-Doh or, or slime or goo and uh, or even popsicle sticks if you ever made the birdhouse out of popsicle sticks I'm going to date myself a little bit here but I always enjoyed playing with Lincoln logs growing up and and now you they, it's kind of like one of those retro toys I don't know when I became that guy but but here I am 
And, and now it's, uh, it was resurrector sets for a while, and now it's Legos and different ways of things to create. But creativity is a part of who we are. And, and I think that's a natural thing. And we see a lot of creativity in my home. And it doesn't always make me feel good. Uh, my, my son, Zylan, loves to create. And, uh, but in his creations, he loves to make messes at the same time. So it's funny how the thing that unnerves me the most also at times will bring me the most joy. Isn't that true? I can't help but think, boy, how true that is for God, our creator. How messy we tend to make things or how messy it is when he creates us, but yet we have a chance to bring him the most joy. So it's a funny thing about creation. And we, as being created by God, I, I think are instinctually genetically, if you will, inclined to also create. God is the one who formed us. Jesus, his son, is the one who transforms us. And through Jesus, we have a visual example of what the image of God should look like as creators. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Now that's a really kind of a deep passage Paul's writing. But what he's talking about is when we recognize not just who we are, but whose we are, when we recognize who we're here to glorify, that that veil comes off of our faces, and all of a sudden, the one who's formed us and transformed us can finally use us. Ever-increasing glory. The first couple weeks of with my, my time with you back in June, we talked about being people who were going to give glory to God. We're not going to be glory takers. We're going to be glory givers. And being a glory giver begins with being shaped by God our Father, shaped into the image of Christ, the image that God pictured of us when he created us. The problem with achieving or becoming that person is often we want it to be a moment, and we fail to recognize that it's a process. It's a journey. And part of that journey is discovering who God has created us to be. And consequently, the mission and the purpose that he has for us. It's an essential process. And there's going to be some, some things, some visuals that we're going to look at over these next four weeks that are going to help us visually put the, the pieces of this process together. And I want us to, to not miss it, so I've invited a friend, Kim Heminger, is going to come and help us today, help us to visualize that this process that we're going to talk about this morning in the next four weeks. So you, you can watch her, but don't get distracted. Make sure you're listening to, pay attention to what God's doing among us this morning. See, we need to understand that this process, is, it's not optional for those who believe, those who call themselves Christian. It, it, it's not a moment, but, but it's, it's, it's a lifetime often. And what we're going to be speaking of is our spiritual formation. Now, I can use those big church words, and even saying the words might make some of you uncomfortable. Spiritual formation, Pastor, getting kind of deep today. Well, I hope I'm always deep in some way. And, oh my, we've broken it already. So, here we go. There we got it. Thank you. Phew. We were off to a great start today. Thank you, Kim. <laughs> so, part of the process where we're learning 
Second service, we'll get that right. So, What we have to understand, though, is our spiritual formation is a choice. It's something that we choose to engage in. It's something that we choose to be part of. We get to choose to participate. God in his, his, his sovereignty did create us, but in his love allows us to choose. He doesn't make us. We learn that this process takes practice. It takes effort. We might, you may have heard it said that practice makes perfect, but I don't necessarily believe that's true. I think what practice makes is permanent. The things that you practice become a permanent part of your life. It's easy to say, I want to be a better a Christian. I want to follow Christ. I want to grow spiritually. But if we're not practicing or, or experiencing spiritual disciplines, it's not going to become permanent to us. It's just going to be something that we say that we want and don't follow up with our words. Practice makes permanent. It's important, though, that we understand also it cannot simply be a segmented part of our lives. God doesn't want to be a part of your life. He wants to be over all of our lives. Our interests, our concerns, his desires that we give him control over all of us. And then watch what he does with us. See, it's Christ, our relation, in Christ that our relationship with God that we are able to find this, this identity that we spend a lifetime trying to figure out where it is and who we are. This search for identity, this, this search for whose we are, it, it, you perhaps have dreams and visions of what you wanted life to look like, what you even want it to look like now, what you want your week to look like. Uh, there's a Hebrew word in Scripture called chazon, and chazon is, is a Hebrew word for vision, and, and it's what God had in mind when, when you were created. So the, the point of our spiritual formation has to begin when we let go of our own vision and instead surrender ourselves to God's vision. Our vision versus God's. And that's where spiritual formation begins to become real for each one of us. His vision or our vision. And as we begin the process, what we learn very quickly is that all of us are formed or shaped or molded by something, by someone. And today, church, we get to decide if we're going to let God be that someone. We're going to continue to allow the world to shape us. Several years ago, after I turned 40 and started to go through these, these life crises, I don't even call it a midlife crisis, I don't know what midlife is anymore, but uh, I just turned 50. Yeah, it's all a number, right? They keep telling me that, but the number keeps getting bigger. Uh, but, but going through this season in my life where I wanted something more, I, I wanted to kind of figure out something else that I could do, something I could develop, a skill, and I'd always been interested in pottery. I'd, I'd, I've been fascinated by watching those at a pottery wheel kind of form and shape. And so I, I took a pottery class, and I took it for about six months. Uh, once a week, I would drive about a half hour to where the studio was, and I would uh, take a pottery class. I'd sit at a wheel, and I'd throw some clay. And Well, uh, these, things are, these are things that I've made. Uh, I, I've created some of these, and if you're on the camera, don't worry about following me. It's okay. I didn't make this one. That's, that's much too good for me. But, uh, but I did make these. And from a distance, they might look really good. But when you get a little bit closer, you begin to see some of the flaws. They're not, they're not perfectly symmetrical. And really what's, um, if they're really thick on the bottom, which well, that, that makes it really strong. No, it does. That means there's a lot of clay down there that I wasn't able to pull up higher. And, and the really skilled potters can, can shape the clay and get it just the right thickness and, and make it look the way that they want it to look. I wasn't comfortable enough going any higher. So I kind of like the ladder. You climb the ladder, you only get so high. I, I was kind of content with this. And some of these pieces, like this, this plate wasn't meant to be a plate. But when you mess up after a few more times, you just kind of got to make it into something. So you kind of smush it down, you make it into a plate. 
And you know, this thing here is completely not even parallel to the but still, from a distance it looks nice. It looks good. But what you really quickly and this is one of my favorites. Uh, this is something you just call freeform or, or, or slab making. And it's just one of my things I like. I enjoy this. And this is a, a Japanese style of glazing. So you learn a lot of neat things when you're going through the classes. But what I learned is I'm really not that good of a potter. That's what I learned. And, and I'm okay with that. But it was frustrating at times to watch those sitting beside me who, who were much more delicate and skilled with their hands, be able to do things with clay that I wanted to do but I couldn't do. And so often that's how life is. We watch others around us able to do things with their lives that we want to do but maybe we can't do or we're not skilled to do or we're not equipped to do. And we go through life struggling. Lord, what, who am I supposed to be? Well, what do you want to do? And the similarities between our real lives and our spiritual lives, it's not an accident. And we come to this realization that I really am not in control of this at all. And someone else is shaping me. And we get to choose who that someone is. And I pray today that you will listen as God speaks to us. In Jeremiah chapter 18, there's this word uh, that God speaks to the prophet. And he says, this is, the word, Lord, this is the word that came to Jeremiah. Go down to the potter's house. And there I'll give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. But what Jeremiah saw when he went down to the potter's house was someone sitting at the wheel. They didn't have electric. had to turn on the, the, the surge protector to get the power going. But they had the wheel going by, by foot, probably. It was man-powered. It was spinning the clay. Now, the clay that's on the wheel is very important. Before he can start to shape it or form it, there's a process the clay has to go through. Today, I want us to understand over these next four weeks, we are the clay. You understand that, right? That's where we're going to begin. That's our first premise. We are the clay. The clay first has to be prepared. How do you prepare clay? Well, you have to kind of shape it. You have to push on it. It's kind of like, like you've got to knead the dough a little bit. And what you're doing as you knead it, as you shape it, as you squeeze it, you're kind of forcing the air bubbles out of it. We'll talk about why that's important later on in, in our time together these next four weeks. But, but he's trying to get the air bubbles out, and sometimes there's grit and there's large pieces of stone or, or, or fragments in there. You've got to push those out of there because that's what's going to mar or scar the surface of the, of the vessel that you're creating. So the potter's preparing the clay. It's not comfortable to the clay. If the clay had feelings, like, well, that hurts, so don't do that, or don't, don't quit twisting me right there. But it's important, before we're even put on the wheel, that we're prepared. And sometimes life has a way of preparing us, even when we're not even, we don't even realize it. We, we find ourselves wanting. We find things in our lives that maybe they're really small, maybe they're imperceptible, but God has to work them out of our lives before he can start to shape us. Maybe there's some rough spots of our lives that God has to get out of there first. Sometimes repairing the clay is they sit there with a rod and they beat on it. Feel beaten up sometimes? Maybe God's preparing you, what he wants to do in you and to you. And once the clay's prepared, you, you, you can't even start to make something until the clay's prepared. Once it's prepared, you take it up, you ball it up, and you just slap it down on the wheel. You hear this big flap, and it kind of spreads out a little bit. Now it's got to be centered. It has to be right in the middle of the wheel. If it's not right in the middle of the wheel, then you're going to have all kinds of problems later on. But Jeremiah's down at the potter's house. He sees him working, and then there's, a, there's a pot that the potter's already working on. The, the clay's marred in his hands meaning it's got gouges, it's kind of ugly, it's, it's, it's misshapen. So the potter forms it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. That's what God does to us. He might get us there, and we just, we're just not who we want to be. We don't look the way he wants us to look, and he starts to shape us. He's putting a little pressure on the clay as it's turning on the wheel. 
Now, what's happening here, it's a very powerful time of not just preparation, of working out the air bubbles, but of getting us where we need to be on the wheels where we can be shaped. Continues in verses 5 and 6, Then the word of the Lord came to me. He says, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord, like clay in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hand. So you are in my hand. Sometimes when we find ourselves in those uncomfortable moments, God's got us right where he wants us, right where we need to be. It may not feel good, but it's where we need to be in this moment so that God can do in us what he has longed to do since he created us. See, creation is the first step. That choice that we make to engage in our spiritual formation is the second step. Presenting ourselves as prepared clay before the potter, then is the next step. And then God begins to kind of push on us on the wheel. And what he's doing is he's centering the clay. The clay has to be in the middle of the wheel or it's not going to produce anything that's valuable or functional or usable. He's worked out all the air bubbles. He, he's, he's gotten all the, the, the grit out. And now he's ready to start shaping us. That the stones and pebbles have been removed. And it's important he's got now ready clay to be shaped. And, and too often, well, truth is, we don't like having those little stones removed. Sometimes we like to hold on to those because it gives us something to complain about. But God wants to take them out of our lives so he can be glorified, as Paul wrote about. So we have centered clay. This is the part I always struggled with. I was really, I was not able to center clay properly. And what happens when you don't center it properly is you'll get a vessel that looks really good, but if you look at it really close, it's kind of got a little angle to it. It may not be perceptible, but it's there. You'll have a part of the vessel that's thicker on one side than on the other because it's not centered. And what they talk about when they talk about centered clay is that perfectly centered clay that's spinning around in the wheel, I, I, this is fascinating, that there, there's a point in the very center, it's really small, I mean almost microscopic, that doesn't move. They call it the still axis of clay. And as the clay is spinning, as you're putting pressure on it, as you're, as you're kind of forming it and getting it centered, what you're also doing is realigning all of these clay fibers, getting them heading in a different direction so that they're, they're kind of joining to one another to give some strength and some continuity to what you're about to build. But right in the middle, there's a still axis, a vertical axis that goes up and down that doesn't move. And if we're centered clay church, and we realize and accept that God is our still axis, that one spot that doesn't move. We revolve around him. We're centered around him. He becomes what we build our lives upon. Kind of imagine a record player. Right in the middle, the record spins around, right in the middle, the record player's got that little, little thing that sticks up there, and what it's called, but the record goes around and around, the needle then is able to play the music. I used to love Calvin and Hobbes. Anybody remember Calvin and Hobbes? One of the best comic strips ever. Okay, I can, I can say that um, confidently, because it's true. And, and, and <laughs> if you don't believe me, go read it. And there, there's one uh, comic where Calvin... His dad comes up to him and says, hey, you're looking at listening to records. Let me tell you about the, what's happening. Did you know that there's two points in the record? They're going around this, uh, one revolution, but the one that's closer to the middle travels less distance than the one on the end? Two points on the same record traveling at different speeds. Calvin tries to process this really unique thought, and it bothers him to where he can't even sleep at night. How is that possible? Now, Vital's making a comeback now. But it, I came in after vinyl, and now I'm not interested in it in the future, so I kind of landed in a good spot, so I don't have to worry about that. But even on a record player, there's a still axis. In clay, there's that part of, uh, on the wheel that doesn't turn. 
So when we face distractions or, or attacks in life or we get pulled in different directions by our family, by jobs, by health, by our circumstances, those are the moments where our axis can begin to shift, where what we revolve around all of a sudden isn't in the middle. See, life requires focus and it requires effort for us to stay centered. Otherwise, we end up with a little bit of a wobble in our lives. Anybody have a wobble in their life today? You can feel it. You know what it is. I don't know what God's laying on your heart, but this is so practical. This is so real for us. If we just imagine that we can hear God speaking and showing us things that we might need to work on today. This excites me. I, I love being in a place where we allow God to work on us. He's kind of pushing on us, trying to get us back into the middle of the wheel, trying to recenter us, trying to reshape us. Are we clay that's been centered? Is God our vertical axis? See our still axis? Does everything we do revolve around God and his desires for our lives and for our church? Or do we still occasionally want to perhaps put ourselves or our ideas or what we think church should be like or what we want our own lives to be like or what our preferences might be or our wants and desires? We want to put those things in the center and build our lives around those things. So many testimonies in this place today that can speak to what that kind of life looks like how it always leaves us short, wanting, desiring more. See, as we seek to become a faith community, then by definition, God has to remain in the center. Clay prepared, clay centered, clay now opened. Once we're prepared and once we're centered, now God can begin to open us. So we've got this lump of clay in the middle of the wheel. It's all centered. God takes his own fingers, his own hands, and he sticks them right down in the center. He pushes down and he starts to pull out and he opens up that clay. It's a beautiful process. The first time I ever did it, was like, it was amazing. Like, wow, I'm doing this. It was powerful. And you begin to open up this clay. And as you open it up, what you're doing is you're, you're pushing the clay down and out. So it's, it's going to have to go wider. And as it, if you get it to the width that you want it to, the only place left to go is you have to then bring it up higher. So you've got this ball that you've got to do something with. So as you push it down, it goes out. As it comes out, you then pull it up. And you begin to do the, those different things to it. And it begins to take shape. And it's a beautiful process. It's moving. But it's also perhaps the hardest part. See, we want to go, when I wanted to take a class, that's what I wanted to do first. I want to sit down at the wheel and get right to it. Let, let, let's get to the opening, God. And too often, that's what we want, too. We want God, come on, Lord, shape me. Show me what you want me to be. God said, wait a minute, there's a process here. First, I've got to beat on you a little bit. Then I've got to push on you to get you in the middle. And when I get you in the right spot, now I can begin to open you up. I don't know where you're at in this process. Maybe you've already been prepared. Maybe you're not prepared yet. Maybe you've already been centered, and now you're at the place where God's ready to open you up. Or, or, or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. But this is the hard part. We want to get right to the creating. But if we've not come to God prepared, ready for him to use us, if we're not uh, open without being prepared, then God knows we won't end up being a useful vessel. If you present yourself off-center, then God knows there's going to be a wobble present. See, those are not uh, things that God wants to use, but we, we sometimes don't want to acknowledge that they're really present in our lives. When we're off-center and the wheel starts to spin fast, <laughs> if you're not careful, that clay begins to pull apart. and It'll just fly right off that wheel. Now, Kim's pretty good at this, so we put the tarps down for my sake, not for hers. God knows how fast he needs to go. 
knows what he wants to do. He knows how he needs to prepare us. He knows where we need to be when we're centered. He knows what, then what he wants us to look like when he opens us up. So the order of the process critical. But now as he begins to open us, it implies that we're vulnerable, that we're often broken. It implies that we, become, we come to God transparent, realizing and recognizing and confessing our sinfulness. Opening means that we take our hands off and we let God put his hands in. Can you see it? God pushing on the clay, sticking his fingers in your life. Maybe some of you are like, well, I wish God would get out of my life. That's okay. That's a choice. Again, we get to choose whether we're going to participate in this process. Others need to perhaps invite God to come and stick his hands in our lives once again. And here God puts his fingers in, hands on. And then God begins pushing the clay out as he sticks his fingers, his hands down in. He again pulls it up. And he's hit the pressure. He's still shaping us, keeping us the right thickness, keep moving us at the right speed, helping us become exactly what he's imagined for us to be. But visually, what's most powerful for me in this is that God has to essentially empty us out of ourselves for us to be useful to him. In the shaping, in the, in the, in the pulling out, in the pulling up, he's emptying ourselves of us so that we could be useful for God, so that we could bring him glory. The church today, are we clay that's been opened? Are we ready to allow God to remove from us the stuff or the baggage or the things that we've filled our lives with so that we can make room for the us that he's created us to be? Clay prepared, clay centered, clay opened, finally clay shaped. Clay is shaped after being opened. Clay is shaped from the inside out. I love the imagery of this. We are molded by God from the inside out. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 uh, we see God formed man, formed Adam from the dust of the ground and breathed into his, into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. God formed Adam from dust, just dried out clay. Adam created in the image of God. Now we don't know what God looks like externally, but we do know God through his characteristics. We do know God from the inside out. So when he creates us, doesn't it make sense that he does it from the inside out? Created in his image doesn't mean we necessarily physically look like him, but it speaks to we look like God from the inside. We take on the characteristics of who God is. God's intimately involved in our formation. He didn't start with a cute nose or, or with pretty blue eyes or a beautiful smile with dimples. God starts with the heart. Am I willing to present my heart this morning to God for him to mold and shape into his image? This idea gives new meaning to the phrase being out of shape, doesn't it? Curiously, one of the tools that a potter uses is called a rib. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21, God took one of man's, Adam's ribs, and with it made and formed woman. Potter and clay community Perhaps we find ourselves out of shape today. Marred clay that God needs to fix. Perhaps we need to present ourselves as moldable this morning. Admittedly, it's an uncomfortable process. It's a beautiful one. Psalm chapter 40, David writes, I waited patiently for the Lord. 
He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock, gave me a firm place to stand, and he put a new song in my heart, a hymn of praise to our God. A couple years ago, we went on a family vacation down to Williamsburg, Virginia. It's one of the least favorite vacations my children will say they've ever been on. But my wife and I really had a good time. There's a, there's a place in, in Williamsburg where they were making bricks the old-fashioned way. There's kind of this big clay pit, and you take your shoes off, and you go down, and you kind of walk through the clay. You're preparing it. You're stomping on it. You're working out the air bubbles. You're, you're engaging in the process. And you've got to take your shoes off, because if you go into the clay with your shoes on, you don't come, back, come out with your shoes on. They get stuck in the clay, and there's no getting them back. It's miry, it's slimy, it's slippery, it's, it, it, it sucks you in. It grabs hold of you. That There's no getting out of it on your own. And there's time we had to reach back and grab some of our little kids, and I was just so worried, they're just going to pull me down, it's gonna be, I'm going to be covered in clay, and that is not going to be very fun. It, we didn't turn out that way. But I had to lift a few of them out, and they get, it's kind of this, this suction that pulls them down. And God reaches down, because the world wants to mold and shape us into what, the image that the world has for us. And God says, no, I have something different for you. God reaches down in the slimy pit, and then he lifts us out of that clay. He says, let me shape you. Let me do something with you. Let me put a new song in your mouth, in your heart. Let me give you something that you can bring glory back to me. From the inside out, he takes the, out, the us out of us, puts a new song in our mouths. Church, this morning, are we prepared to allow the Father to have his hands on us? Are we content to be a centered lump of clay, allowing him to create whatever it is he imagines? Are we ready to be emptied and to be opened to surrender ourselves to the potter? Are we humble? Perhaps flexible enough today to say, Lord, you shape me. This can speak to us in so many different ways this morning. And I don't know how God's speaking to you, but as Amy comes and, and we close this morning, and I haven't done this yet before or in my time with you, but I'm going to open up our altars today. And I'm going to invite those that maybe the Lord is speaking to to respond. Maybe you say, God, I need prepared today. Lord, I need centered this morning. I'm a little bit off center. Or maybe I'm a lot off center. Or, or maybe you're prepared and you're centered and now you're ready, you're ready to take your hands off your life to let go of those things you think are important. You're ready to let God put his hands on you shape you I don't know where you're at this is one of those sermons I've, I've had prepared for months even before I came God put this on my heart waiting for the right moment I think this is today where are you at on the wheel where are you at in your life is life not turned out the way you wanted it to maybe your vision doesn't really measure up to what you thought life would look like Quit fighting. Let go. Watch what God does. If we just present ourselves to him. Isaiah 64, verse 8. I'll close with this. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You're the potter. How hard we try, that truth never changes. No matter how our story ends, that truth doesn't change. We can fight it. God lets us choose. But today, can you see it? He's just waiting. 
for those who would come waiting. I invite you to stand with me. I'm going to pray for you. Pray for us. If God is speaking to you, our altars are open. I invite you to come and pray. Present yourself today just as you are. Maybe you're a marred jar. Present yourself today. Maybe, maybe you're unprepared clay. Present yourself to God. Watch what he does. Powerful. It's beautiful. Let him move in us this morning. Father, I pray for our church. been in each spot. I've been in, been in each of these places. And I thank you for your grace that you, you've, you've moved in my life. You've, been, you've given me time. You, you've spoken me in ways that you, you've allowed me the space to, to kind of hear your voice and to process it. And maybe this is all new to some of us today and we still need to chew on and think about it. I get that. But for some, Lord, they hear you very clearly right now. They know what it is they need to do. They know what it is that you're asking of them. Lord, we just, for some reason, don't want to let go. Maybe it's our pride. Maybe we don't want others to think that we don't have our lives together. Maybe we don't want them to realize that life's not perfect. I don't know what our situation might be or what Satan's throwing at us this morning. But Lord, today we have an opportunity to choose to participate in what it is you want to do in us. So God, I pray that you would just break through our, our hesitation, our barriers this morning. Lord, you would come. prepare us you would center us and you would open us up so that God we could be shaped and used by you for your glory Lord move among us today there's still others Father that are fighting I feel it Lord in your grace you let us choose This morning, just move among us, speak to us. As we worship and sing the song we sang earlier this morning, may these words also speak to you. Just encourage you. Just for a moment, take your hands off and watch what God does. Came to the world you created. Trading your crown for a cross Willingly died Your innocent life paid the cost Counting your status as nothing The King of all kings came to serve Washing my feet and covering me with your love If more of you means less of me Take everything Yes, all of you is all of me Take everything You are my life and my treasure The one that I can't live without Here at your feet my desires and dreams I lay down Take everything 
your feet my desires and dreams I lay down if more of you means less of me take everything yes all of you is all that loves us enough to reshape those of us who need reshaped. Being patient enough with those who need perhaps a little more time to, to think, to listen, to hear you. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness through each story that's in this place this morning. not one in here that's got it all together, that's got it all figured out, that it's gotten anywhere they are on their own. Creation's a messy process. Lord, you gladly get your hands dirty for the sake of those for whom you've created. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, as we go, I pray, Lord, that we will leave a little bit different than how we've come. When we're being, we've been in your presence, Lord, and we need not to minimize the significance of that in our lives. Father, we love you. And we thank you for what you've done here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. I want to thank Kim Heminger from Marysville Art League and the Houston House Gallery for being with us today. It's a great asset in our community. Hopefully a great visual for you this morning. God bless you. Have a great day.